Unlearning Labels. The podcast mission is not to offer solutions, but to offer a safe space to have the conversations that impact organizations and to deconstruct the issues. In this way, companies can better understand the problems, where they stand, and how we can help. Each month, on the last Wednesday, we dive into defining an aspect of allyship and diversity. Tune in as a team and make it part of your monthly staff meeting. Now for the show. Welcome to our inaugural episode of Unlearning Labels. I'm Cordelia Gaffar, and I'm here today with Peter and Mira Griffiths. Welcome to our inaugural episode. And we wanted to just unpack, I guess, the, the way it's going to roll for, for the 12 episodes. Um, you can say a bit about this, Cordelia, right? That not only we're we going to do one a month, but actually on Clubhouse, we're going to do weekly uh, Clubhouse rooms and we're going to open up the floor and have really meaningful discussions about the topics that are really close to your heart. Yeah, but you know what, Peter? I, I think we should always start with definitions, right? So, mm. like, how did our conversation about this start? It was like, well, what are the labels, you know? Um, what are the labels that others attach to us? Um, what are the labels that we attach to ourselves? Mm. And, you know, kind of like, um, I mean, like the label of leader. We were talking about that this morning, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, usually people have an association with what it means to be a good leader. I guess in a way, right, Mira, it's like it, we we identify, self-identify and put others in categories and boxes with labels. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And, and then when you identify, you have this idea of, of a leader, for example, and then uh, you, you either fit or you don't fit in a box. And if you want to be a leader, you need to be like that one in the box on the label. And uh, and then, you know, you have all sorts of ideas about are you good or not good. And and often I think I mean, labels can can be helpful. Obviously, that's why we do these things in our minds. We label things, um, you know, you don't want to be um, looking at the poisonous snake. You want to run away from it because <laughs> you know that. You know, it, it's it fits under the label of poisonous snake, but at the same time, we um, in the other situations in in you know work and, and life and who we are, it can be quite limiting, and um, and because of it, we really want to talk about it on this uh, on this show. Yeah. We want to unpack it so we understand, you know, what it is. Is that really label that suits us and how the world look, looks like when we unlabel ourselves and we learn or unlearn labeling that you have, that we have about other people? I like the way you said that. And, you know, like to your point, like if we were to take that poisonous snake and make it a human, right? That's mm -hmm. the problem when it mm -hmm. comes to diversity, equity and inclusion, right? Because then you know, you become like a, a black employee 
or an immigrant employee or a white employee or a man or a woman. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, the association with those labels um, become limiting, like you said, Mm. um, but not always in a good way. Yeah. yeah. So, so what we really want is really to unpack it, to see what it is and what it isn't. So it opens up a space for for ourselves and, and for our Peter, Peter, <laughs> Peter people to uh, uh, to unleash much more of their potential than uh, than what is really stuck under this tight, limiting uh, uh, little label. Yeah. And should we share some of our experience in terms of labels that we have? Because we were having a discussion offline earlier today. And f- f- I'll, I'll talk about mine, for example. So when I was a bit younger, um, I had a... Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I had an experience in the education system that wasn't so positive. So if I'm honest, I actually spent most of my life until a few, you know, maybe 10 years ago, thinking that I wasn't enough because I got told by teachers, adults, etc. But luckily for me, I was strong-willed, you know, strong-minded. And I guess that's what got me into being curious about psychology coaching, creativity, stuff like this. And then I learned later on that actually the education system isn't as scary as I once thought. And that education is really amazing. It's just that I was given certain labels and I actually believed them for, you know, quite a big chunk of my life. Mm, mm, mm. Is there any other labels? Yeah. um, I think being a white male, talking about diversity as well, used to make me feel uncomfortable. (laughs) But then Mira and I were talking about it, that Mira said, you know, didn't you spend nearly 20 years of your adult career as a leader developing diverse teams and making people feel psychologically safe and getting the best out of people? And I was like, yeah, okay, maybe I know a little bit about this stuff then, you know? Yeah. How about you, Cordelia? Well, you know, before I talk about me, I just want to say, Peter, like, what what was limiting for you being a white male talking about diversity? Like, what part of that was a problem for you? A bit of imposter syndrome and honestly thinking, well, okay, I'm well-traveled. And again, I had you know, good experience of managing people internationally. But for whatever reason, I kind of felt a little bit uncomfortable getting into those conversations because it was kind of like, who am I to, you know, I felt the weight of that label of me. Well, I'm I'm just a white male. Why, why can I get into a topic about, you know, a certain demographic? But then the more curious I got about what I didn't know and the fact that I was willing to listen, that's when I was, you know, the gift of getting new information. And I learned a lot just by getting into certain conversations that if I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't have normally got into before. But it's not as scary just for people listening or watching. It's not as scary as you want to think. You might have thoughts and feelings about certain labels. But the more I was just listening to understand people that were totally different than me, I realized that these labels are not fixed as well. As Mira said, they, it's good to have them as a frame of reference. You know, that's how we get to know what's good and bad, et cetera. But even good and bad, you know, that's, it's not black and white, right? It's, for me, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's totally made up. And yeah. that's all I'm saying. The more you get curious about, you know, is that label really true? Or at least, I'm, you know, what I'm saying to me, I'm having an internal dialogue and saying that label that I've kind of been telling that story to myself, you know, for quite a long time. Is it true? And then just to get into dialogue with other human beings, you get to learn new information. And a lot of the times I was like, wow, these labels are actually made up. 
So yeah. like from my perspective, I wanted to ask you that question because so um, in my experience, it has been white males, right? Who have mm. the face of um, power, right? Mm. Um, who have actually advocated for me. So you have to have, you have to be curious, like you said, and you have to have the courage to, um, to have those difficult conversations mm. so that you can, um, be allies for people like me. So like some of the labels, I didn't really associate, um, with myself until, you know, I guess if I want to talk about when I was working, right. It's just like, I was in my twenties. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm just like this really smart person. Right. Until I moved to Washington DC and I found out that I'm a cheeky black woman. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of took that on, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then I even became an angry black woman and I was just like, mm, I have an opinion and I'm, you know, speaking up and, um, and, you know, like I said, if it weren't for, you know, some of the white males in my, um, there was a particular, when I worked in law firms, there was a partner and he took me aside and he's like, look, Cordelia, you need to build a constituency and this is how you do it. And these are the people that have to be there. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, basically what he, this concept of allyship that, that is like a new concept, mm -hmm. you know, I learned this when I was 24. So, um, this is, uh, this is who we need to be. And then I, I would have to say, even after corporate, like since, um, I've left in the past 20 years or so, I should have said like this <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, it's like, well, now I'm a mother. Right. And then, you know, which again, I was like, I'm a mother. Right. Until I found out like, even how, we as mothers, sometimes we devalue what that means. You know, mm -hmm. we don't see ourselves as leaders, although we are leaders of our household and we are leading the next generation. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so these are ways where, you know, imposter syndrome, I'm like, I'm not a leader. I'm just a mom, you know, mm -hmm. even though I have enough kids that like, I think I only need a few more for a full basketball team or most any, <laughs> any sports team, you know? Um, so it's like waiting, um, what, what the label is. Um, so, um, yeah. be before we get to you, Mira, I just want to, uh, acknowledge we have Natalie here with us from Munich. Hey, Natalie. Hello. Thank you for joining hey. us. Um, and also for those of you who are watching live either on YouTube or on LinkedIn, um, feel free to put your questions um, or comments and we will uh, will address any labels that um, you may be associating or disassociating from. So, so Mira, what are the labels that you took on for yourself? Oh, plenty. Where do I start? <laughs> but I, I guess the big ones uh, and, and, and I, I guess it's, it's something that it's, you know, what's going on in the world. Um, I was a I was a refugee as a kid, as I was I was teenager when it's all blown up and started, and I have for a really big part of my life associated myself not associated. I saw myself as a refugee, which is mm -hmm. fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I added things to 
you know, who is a refugee? And then I added bits of what it means to refugee, things that I've heard from people that were angry at refugees at the first time, you know. Again, they lost jobs. They thought refugees are in charge of it for, for whatever reason. Um, you know, as a refugee, I'm not supposed to have any money. As a refugee, uh, you can't say this or you don't have these rights or you have to struggle because otherwise people are, you know, you're not supposed to do, you know, you're not. And so I've struggled with money, with self-esteem, with what can I do in life? And I wanted to all do all these things and talk to people and, and empower people and help them. But then I had, you know, who am I to do that? Because I'm nobody, you know? And, and so that was a label that was really limiting to me in terms of my profession, in terms of uh, how I talked about myself and, um, and you know, you, you could say, you know, that was an imposter syndrome in a way because, you know, how, do I, how can I as a refugee uh, sit in a boardroom? you know, and, and stuff like that. So, um, and I did it, you know, uh, I don't know how, but <laughs> it happened. And it really, uh, the turning point was when I, when I started unlabeling myself, when I started unpicking that, yes, I was a refugee as a child. And I can still say, you know, I come from that background and I can still say that label in certain situations where it's really meaningful and important. But I don't have to pack all that meaning with it. You know, you can acknowledge it, but you can't change the way you look, for example, as well. But you don't need to pack all that meaning on yourself. And I also found that once I did that with myself, it was much easier to see other humans as humans and not their labels instead, you know. So, uh, yeah. And what else would be... Refugee. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll stick with that one for yeah. now. <laughs> That's a pretty powerful one, and I, I guess what you're really pulling out there, Mira, is the self awareness piece, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the more self aware you are of what that terminology is doing to your psyche and the way you're showing up in the world, mm. then you you can understand, you know, how that must feel for someone else. And um, I guess it, it uh, helps you to be more compassionate. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it just opens up different perspectives. Like I can, I can now do things that th they would be totally impossible for me in the past, but, uh, and, and so I can allow other people to do things that in the past I thought it would be, you know, that person cannot do this because blah, 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 or, you know, they would not be suited for this position because we were just, uh, uh, <laughs> yes, Natalie, I took control of my narrative. Uh, and, and so, yeah, you see other people differently as well. Yeah, definitely. Now we have, um, you know, gone from looking at ourselves a certain way. And then, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure like for me, I still have <clears throat> categories of people, but it more looks like mean or evil. 
<laughs> you know, but still, you know, we need to move away from the adjectives, just just say no to the adjectives, you know, um, mm-hmm. and and then just allow ourselves to be part of the human club. So mm-hmm. what, what about you, um, Peter, like when you um, unlearned your labels or are you still unlearning your labels? Let's, let's go there. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely still unlearning my labels, like Mira said, and, you know, all of us, right, that there's always things that I'm probably not aware of, right, unconsciously. There's things that, you know, I'm still working on. And the way I look at this, it's it's a lifelong act of just being curious. And, and you said it there, Cordelia, just the only label that's meaningful for me is human. You know, <laughs> I can own that badge, you know, with pride and say, you know, I'm a human being. And I think that's the leveler for me. We've all got other labels or people might put us into pigeonholes. And, and you know, th- there are uses for that. But the what, as soon as you connect with another human being on any level, just by listening and, and learning about, you know, what makes them tick, you then connect with them, it's a human connection, you know? Mm-hmm. So all of the labels melt away, not that they're not important for that person's journey, because they are, right? But also saying is that those labels, what, whatever you've been working on, they just melt away, and then you realize that you've got a deep connection with humanity. And that's kind of what we're pointing to, that for me, it's been a lifelong journey as an adult to kind of unlearn some of these layers, you know? Mm. Mm. And and you know what I'm kind of because I know Peter uh, uh, and and Peter's work with teams uh, I, I've not and and then again you know my own uh, work with teams and Cordelia I would imagine for you as well is when you get curious about people and you don't just believe that narrative or you don't you you come in with people without the narrative you come in clear-headed and so they start showing so much more that that they even knew that they could do. Like, in order to allow people to grow and to grow them, to to help them grow with your help as a leader, you need to be able to see past that narrative that you may have had. And, And so if you really want to build teams, if you really want to... Uh, grow people if you want to grow yourself you need to pass the limits of that label uh, otherwise that's the limit that's a, that's a lid mm. as, as you sometimes say um, and so if you come in as a leader with a blank sheet it is much easier to build that team it's much 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 faster then when you have to, otherwise you have a really, really hard work and then you change people and then this person is not good, this person is not fitting, this person can't do that, you know. But actually when you come with a blank slate, you have much more opportunities. You show them things that they didn't know they knew. You you open the new opportunities for people and they will forever be grateful for you to you for it mm. and and also you know your job as a leader is is much much easier and crucially you grow as a leader with your team as well oh yeah yeah because the more you're i mean you touched on it before cordelia it's it's about awareness and it, and it's a lifelong um thing or at least it is for me i don't know about you too but for me it's just constantly being aware that 
I have to work on that. But when I say work on it, I don't mean like it's a pain in the neck, you know? <laughs> I, I actually get excited about it. And, you know, why, why we're talking right now, I guess, that it, it, it's total curiosity. This ship is an innately creative endeavor. So for me, when I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I know I've got certain labels for me. I know that they're popping up when I'm interacting with my team. And this is when I was in the context of in a leadership position. But I'm just going to go with it. You know, I'm listening to these people. I'm constantly learning. And the more that I listen to the people that I was, I guess, in, you know, have a duty of care over, the more that they became relaxed and felt psychologically safe to share. And I got to learn more. I don't know if people really thought about this, but the more that you listen and the more that people see that you're genuinely listening to understand and you want to, you know, you you don't even have to say it because we were talking about this mm. before that you don't have to be as obviously, I see you, I appreciate you. It's just if you're listening to understand, that comes as part of the package. That's a happy accident of actually having an open mind and being curious. Mm. And as you say, just wanting to be more aware, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That listening piece is really the key, right? Um, like, mm -hmm. and listening full body, right? So a lot of times mm -hmm. there's, there's uh, like all these practices of listening, but, you know, just looking someone straight in the eye and get, turning your body towards them, you know, um, not being on any devices and just giving full attention to that person yeah. that it, you know, there's so much in our nonverbal language that implies, I care about you. I see you and um, what you're saying matters. And, mm -hmm. and that's really all it takes, like you said. And then for you as the listener, right, if you just make this your practice. So like if you're a team lead, when you, when you have your one-on-ones, you know, with your, your team, just be in the practice of being full into, you know, turning your body towards them and just making it a dedicated time to, to give them your full undivided attention and they'll feel your vibration. They'll, they'll feel the compassion and the empathy. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, you won't have to say much. Yeah. It's it's interesting, isn't it? I've I've seen some amazing things happening, and people solving problems and coming up with some amazing ideas, just because they were giving they were given space and attention. And it's it's amazing. Like my my job has become so much easier. And so much more fulfilling at the same time. And I'm just doing less. I'm, I'm doing less with people. I'm I'm less doing, but I'm more there, if that makes more sense. More being, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have to say that's the best part of leaving um, corporate and going into coaching is like you can actually be with people and mm. you can give them time and space so they can create their brilliance and be their brilliant self. And, um, and you don't, you don't have to do anything. Um, yeah. I just wanted to point another comment out from Natalie. So thank you. She said, listening equals insight and with insight, you can influence people. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It makes your job so much easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause that's the thing. I mean, if you look at most of the things that 
impact diversity in an organization, it's usually because people don't feel like they've got a voice, right? Mm. And that's it. You know, the, the best gift you can give anyone in an organization is saying, you know, I hear you. Mm. And then a lot of the problems can be dealt with because you're already in dialogue and you have, like I said before, a human connection, right? Mm. Yeah. So couple of things that we spoke about here it's it's uh, is self labeling and labeling others and and they, those two don't go apart uh it's it's same like self judgment and judging others and all of yeah. that stuff yeah and so i was we had few conversations so far uh with people and and seeing what is important to them and how these labels have affected their job and and we spoke uh, about uh you know people came up with i'm too old people think i'm too old to understand them or or, or i'm too young nobody's listening to i'm not important or I'm, i haven't got enough experience i haven't yeah. I haven't got enough. also uh, labeling people that have changed jobs different industries and 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 then there's a label consistent with that that goes uh they are not they are not consistent they are changing they don't have enough experience in one industry that we need which is actually not true and so what we what we want to go through these sessions is actually deconstruct these labels so it would be it would be useful to just hear from people that are listening right now is what are some of the labels that come up uh right now for them when they're listening to this is there any um any particular one that that could be interesting or or Peter and, and Cordelia, do you have any? Well, just to unpack what you said, I mean, that, that one kind of struck a chord with me just to unpack that a little bit further and explain it. I got told that a lot because I lived in different countries. I changed careers. If I'm honest, I did because I didn't, again, <laughs> back then I hadn't worked on myself as much as I have now. And I was telling myself I wasn't good enough. So I was changing to different careers because it never felt enough, right? But then... When I look at it now, I'm, you know, I've done a lot of recruitment in my time. I really respect people who've built up that resilience of living in a different country, learning about new cultures. But not just that, they've actually gone through a few different industries. And I'd much rather someone does that because it shows that they've actually, like I say, built a bit of resilience, but they've also had some variety. So I, I just think people, organizations and recruiters, uh, decision makers shouldn't be so uncomfortable if people have had a bit of a, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but it's never a straight line, right? It's all squiggly right. all over. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe because I resonate with that because it happened in my life as well. And remember the lady we spoke to who was in HR. Right. This was on Clubhouse, right? And she said that she'd had a real from what we heard in just what six seven minutes and i was like i would hire you i was kind of like i would i would take you for a job and she said that she wasn't able to get an entry-level job in hr even though she'd been in quite senior leadership positions right yeah uh, and and it's and it's it's interesting and, and so why is this label uh 
not not helpful at all. It can be quite destructive, and and companies can actually miss lots of lots of opportunities because people who have changed. So different industries, maybe they did a similar job, but different industry, or they have, they know how to transfer experience. Right. They're open to learning. They are open to connect with people on, on different levels, not just talk about this one particular thing, the job that they're doing, so they can connect on a different human level. Uh, they, uh, what else is there? They're, as you said, they're probably more resilient to change. Right. So they're not incompetent. They're not inconsistent. Those are the labels that are attached to those people that have the, what is that called? Oh my goodness. There, there's another word for it, but they have the, you know, they change jobs every two or three years or they're changing mm-hmm. industry every five years. And that just shows the, you know, um, diversity of that person's experience yeah. really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if we're really truthful, the days where people are in an organization for decades, unfortunately, they don't seem realistic anymore. And that's not because there aren't great companies out there, because there are, right? But it's just that things are so uh, quick to change. And some companies, you know, let's be honest, they won't last that long because the industry, you know, if you look at COVID, for example, there's a lot of change already. But mm-hmm. COVID aside, we were talking about this the other day as well, right? Uncertainty is actually the norm. And we yeah. just forget that. And this, um, and again, it's another label, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. so, and so, if you have people in your company that have experience of change quickly and quickly adapting to change and learning and going forward, these people can be actually really useful in this. It's an in-demand skill. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting that if you label it as something that it's you know this person is in not consistent, they may leave whenever they want or whatever meanings we attach to that it's actually we're losing yeah because the truth is like when you talk about resiliency like that person has got to have an amazing amount of emotional intelligence Mm. right um quick learner you Mm. know faster on their feet Mm. so um yeah and what are you saying how with a variety experience background, I bring a broad perspective Absolutely. on it. You name it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? When I hear organizations all the time and I was part of that, you know, some of these organizations say, yeah, we're not really good at dealing with change and uncertainty, but then the people who were hiring were, again, they weren't very, uh, they hadn't really had that experience, but not to say that you shouldn't hire inexperienced people, but you should, again, it's it's hiring a diverse set of people, yeah. you know, hiring really young people because they're really malleable and they're deeply creative straight out the gate. They may not have, you know, the diligence and the structure already embedded in them because they need to learn that. Mm-hmm. But if we... You know, if you, if you put the brakes on as a, as a hiring manager, you just have to realize you were there yourself, you know? Yeah. And I try and remember that then when I and see there's the a few... Yeah. 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 I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean to cut you off. But then on the other no. side, right, just because you're an old person, old person, like you're, you know, 50, 60 years old, that doesn't mean that you're not creative or that you can't learn quickly, you know, or Absolutely. that you're, you know... Um, you can get into you can't, technology. Yeah. 
and you can't you can't change the way you think because I, I've I've heard we were doing a, a research uh, with leaders in companies and and so we spoke a lot with younger people as well and so it was interesting to see that lots of young people see the barrier in between them and older people they, they have this idea of. Uh, you know, they 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 just won't listen. They won't they they won't change. It takes them too long to change something. So therefore, and so because of that label, they are not even connecting. They are not going there because there is an idea that what's the point? They won't listen anyway. They're just yeah. these old people sitting there in management, and nobody you know nobody's listening to us. And because and then you don't try. And and there is a so your idea doesn't go through. Uh, you're just widening and 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 in making this gap even larger in between sem- yourself. And no and trust on the team, and mm-hmm. transference. I think is what you're talking about too. Yeah. Right? We yeah. talked about that in Clubhouse last week, mm. um, where sometimes you know, as an older or a younger person on a team, you'll be like, oh, that person's like my daughter or that person's like my dad, you know, or my uncle or Mm -hmm. my grandfather, you know what I mean? And it's like, um, Mm -hmm. or that person's just human and you're at work, you're not at home Mm -hmm. and and just take the person for face value, you know, um, instead of entering in with a label. So I guess we came up with more labels, right? So that's uh, ageism. Mm-hmm. We didn't really dive too much into sexism, but you know, um, we will over time. We have twelve episodes. <laughs> we have all year to get there. Yeah, and for the people listening or watching, we're going to be on Clubhouse each week, and we really want to, you know, really unpack some of the topics that you think are meaningful for you, or you know, maybe your organization struggling with a particular thing related to diversity inclusion we'd love to hear from that yeah i was i I just read a comment from hal mental plasticity plasticity evolves with experience and age that's true absolutely and it's really interesting is that there was that was a myth broken ages ago that uh, with the loss of uh, neural cells that we lose memory and you know that all old people are senile and they, they forget and they, you know. But actually what we found out in neurology is that, yes, we do have less nerve cells, but we don't even need that many. Uh, but what, what happens is that a connection in between cells, these cells improves and enlarges in number over years. So actually uh, making coming up with the ideas, creating, creating, connecting stuff from one experience to another experience. And that's why we say that, you know, older people are usually wise because they have learned, they have made those connections that younger people haven't. So uh, again, I'm not that- like We've gone from basically, if we were to liken it to something that people can probably hold on to, it's like mm-hmm. we've gone from Wi-Fi to a hard connection, basically, is what you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so you know, thinking that because somebody is older can't can't come up with the ideas or doesn't want to change or can't change. I mean, there are people that are uncomfortable with change, but that has absolutely nothing to do with their age. They could be 15, 20, 30, 50. 
it's the same thing. So uh, it's not the label, it's not the age group, it's the person. And so if you're open to it, yeah. And just to connect the dots in a meaningful way in real life, many companies yeah. we speak to in Berlin, because we deal with a lot of clients who are in the startup scene, they're missing a massive trick. And it's innocent because they just didn't pre-bake that into, you know, when they're scaling up these companies really quickly. I'm like, where's where's the diversity in age? And they're like, well, you know, it's a young, dynamic company. And I'm like, but what about putting an old, experienced person who's cut the teeth in operations it will stop all this chaos in its tracks and you can go even faster and they're like wow i didn't think of that <laughs> yeah you know so that's the thing i mean just if anyone's listening who's you know in that scene it's just find more older people because you'd be surprised once wiser people <laughs> yeah older wiser anyone who's cut the teeth in your kind of industry but they might not have the technical know-how but that's something i mean we talked about this before i worked in many different industries and i didn't know anything about the industry when i first was recruited into it but what's transferable time and time again if you look underneath the labels is that rich experience you know that uh, resilience they've built up, that connecting the dots and being able to critically think and drive innovation, that's that comes with diverse diversity of age, right? Indeed, indeed. So I'm so excited that we've started this podcast to have these conversations. And, you know, um, like we've already mentioned one or two times, <laughs> we have like uh, these chats on Clubhouse on Thursday afternoons or evenings, depending on where you are in the world, at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 8 p.m. Central European Time. So, um, you know, please join us tomorrow. Yes, that is tomorrow mm -hmm. <laughs> um, at this time. And we'll chat it up and, and hear from you a little bit more about what labels you're attaching to yourself and others so that you can be on your journey to unlearn those labels. Um, and I want to thank Natalie, who has been, um, with her little one, who's not allowing her to type, but allowing her to listen. And her little one is benefiting. See, we're already helping the next generation <laughs> and, <laughs> and how, thank you so much. Crystallization of thought from one's experience. Yeah, definitely. So, um, close this out, Peter and Mira. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you and good evening. Thank you for listening. As you can see, unlearning labels is about talking the walk of I see you, I hear you, and I value you. Join us live every last Wednesday of the month for the recording of each episode and continue the conversation with us on Clubhouse every Thursday at 2 p.m. EST, 8 p.m. CET. If you would like us to help you address any of the topics we explore during the show, such as diversity and inclusion, cultural change, leadership development, or one-to-one -one executive coaching, please contact us via www.unlearninglabels.com or reach out to us via LinkedIn.